Hello, you're listening to Underscore, a podcast by the Chicago Graphic Design Club, dedicated to bring you conversations with Chicago's creative leaders. On this podcast, we'll explore the craft, theory, and practice of graphic design, plus discuss bold ideas that push the boundaries of what's possible and ways in which we can create a more thoughtful and inclusive community. To learn more about us, visit our website at www chicagographicdesign.club or find us on social media. Special thanks to the Chicago band 80 Slang for our theme music. Hello, today I'm your host Christian Solorzano and I'm speaking with Icky, an artist whose work embraces impermanence and non-traditional materials. His ethos centering around decay, aging, and his father's advice of use what you have and there are no mistakes. His mediums include watercolor, pencil, tea, new and used paper, and he seeks to create work that leaves no trace of environmentally damaging byproducts. Born in Trinidad, but raised in the Virgin Islands. Today, he resides in Chicago. He was among one of the artists to be featured in our art exhibition, Chicago's Tomorrow Today, his piece being titled Floating Taxis in Hyperspace Near Pluto While Eating Vegan Hot Dogs. So I'm very delighted to be speaking with him today. So welcome, Icky. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. So I... I did some research on you and I learned that you were born in Trinidad and you were raised in the Virgin Islands. And I want to know, I want to understand a little bit about your upbringing and what are your earliest memories of creativity? Um, upbringing, uh, basically a Caribbean life. Uh, it's, uh, very simple and very easy. Uh, we kind of believe in the the whole uh, thing of like everything is everything, you know. Uh, it's more of a not too much. You're not too, supposed to be in too much of a rush. You just do things within what you can, your means. I guess it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, economic status either, because you all believe that like kind of you know thought process is like. Just really chill, really easy. Um, but my earliest uh, form of creativity. <laughs> so, my mom and dad were creative people. My dad was a, a builder, carpenter, and um, he used to. Um, he was an artist as well, but not really showed it. Um, but this one particular thing uh, they used to do, or my dad and his his younger friends and siblings, they would make these things, their tops, um, like spinner tops, you know, and um, they would have this rope tied around it, and they would spin the top, and they would have to like break another person's top, and as the top hits someone, you have a sharp nail, it'll split your top, and then you know you're the leader while your top is still spinning, and someone else try to, as they call it, bust your top. Off the top, and uh, 
I remember seeing one when I was really little and I um he told me he made it. And I was like, it's kind of cool because it's a piece of wood and they have to shave it down, carve it down into like the shape and then add a nail through it. And then they has little grooves to hold a rope and then they throw it while holding onto the rope and it just spins. So it's almost like a type thing too as well. Um, Cause if you flick back, it can like uh, come back to you. Like you can retract it. But anyway, that was one of my first uh, things that I saw. So for me, I just, thought I could do the same thing. I would pick up pieces of wood, um, put string on them, make like, you know, little houses out of sticks, whatever I could find. Um, or if I found some of his like leftover like wood or, you know, mechanic spray paint, whatever. But my first actual memory is um, going into his toolbox and taking out a bunch of markers and drawing on the, like the tile and, in the Caribbean, Spanish tile or just a handmade tile is a very big thing. So it's kind of a like a, an expensive way of making tile. They still do it like the old old days when I was growing up. And I drew on one of the tiles to like draw the same flowers or the same design. And that was one of my first memories, but it didn't really quite look like anything because this, the marker was the same color as the tile. So I went to the closet and drew a chicken, a chicken. Because we have roosters and they wake you up in the morning. So that's what I went and drew. And it was scratchy, very weird looking, very, uh, you know, like how kids draw. And my mom came in and saw it and she was mad. <laughs> and she said, she asked me, said, did you do this? And I was like, yeah, I did. And I wanted to be like you guys because they, you know, they all sketched. She looked at me and she was like, all right. So she closed the closet. And then that's on to, um, I don't know, it's like, it's kind of like what you would call a secondhand like place where you go get like um, supplies. Um, I forgot what it was called, but um, it was like if something was damaged through a hurricane or someone donated it, um, you can go purchase it or you can purchase to send to the States in a barrel. So if we went bought me a book and it was a book uh an impressionism book of all the impressionist um artists like Manet, Monet, Degas and um it was my first like anything to like painting or introduction and that was the art book mm. I love that I love that you're mentioning those tops because I spent a lot of time in Mexico growing up and 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 we call them trompos yeah that's okay yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm very familiar and it's not easy to, it's not easy to play with those. So I always admire the people that were able to, you know, yeah. do it the right way and it spins for a very long time. And yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, so at what point do you, do you decide to sort of commit yourself to following this, this journey or this path of just creativity and actually, you know, not having it just be a hobby, but having it be something that you, that is just part of your being. Um, it's been kind of a, a, a while that I've done it as um, like just about like a, I will not stop doing it, but uh, I did take a break from painting and drawing and sketching for a, 
a little while and I started to focus more on like um I distress I used to distress denim or use a a style of like um shasiko wabi sabi stitching. It kind of focused on that when I first moved to Chicago. But um it's the sketching has always been there. Um but I just I don't think it's ever gonna leave. It's always gonna be a part of me. So me starting back to paint, I wanted to start back at zero. So I kind of like, yeah, the word purposely sounds a little more negative or a little bit more harsh, but I wanted to make a point to feel like I was starting over in certain styles and using certain um, techniques to make uh, the work feel new every time. So can't really say it's going to be all the time that I will be creating, but I feel like my approach should always be brand new. Yeah. I love that. And, and I really want to get into on, on your website, you describe um, as sort of like part of, part of your process, you rely on these ideas of no mistakes, wabi-sabi and green and I want to get into each of these one by one because I find them so fascinating and and I and I relate to them. Like they 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 just really, really speak to me. So um can we start off by just no mistakes? You write while working, the unexpected happens, but you must finish what you start. So how does that come across through the work that you're doing? So I learned about watercolor when I went to art school. I was pretty young when I went to art school. Um, it was a school for like, uh, it was started as an after school program of school for kids that were gifted in the um, arts. And it was a, it was gearing you for college, but this school was um, for students who were like maybe um, in the 11th grade or a senior in high school. I went very early. So to me, it was a little uncomfortable because most of my peers at the school, they weren't my peers, but most of the um, students that were there, they were like maybe five or six years older than me. So for me, it was a little uncomfortable, but um, I did learn um, how to like, you know, be a part of the class, but like my personal life could not be a part of like that class. For me, learning in the classes was um, like maybe doubly intense, I guess you could call it, something like that. So what I would do when we were getting assignments, um, first off, I couldn't do the nudes. So I would, I, could, I would be in a different room when they had the nudes. And, um, but I was given like a watercolor kit and I was able to do like you know, some of my favorite things. So... My dad played baseball, and so I would, like, draw baseball players, and I would make but then what I thought was mistakes, because watercolor is unforgiving. You, you know, you don't really have white to it. The paper is the white, and um, there's a different flow from painting with oil and acrylic. It's backwards. So uh, learning to do that was kind of more... It was a lot easier for me because my mind was open because I was a little bit younger and I was just going to do the approach to the, the teacher told me. Um, so 
if the instructor gave you an assignment, you just do it and you follow the instructor's assignment. You um, instructions in just plain as how they would say it. Because I'm very literal and I've always been literal. But for me, the watercolor started an area where I saw frustration. And my father would say, there's no, you don't make mistakes, so just keep going. If if you think it's a mistake, then you fail. You lose the opportunity for that piece to actually become something. Even if it, even if you finish and you don't like it, it was created. It was invented. So you should not, you know, be so hard on yourself for thinking you made a mistake because you you have to get that word out to your mind. So the word mistake is really my dad's influence, like. You know, if you live on an island and, you know, he's a carpenter and he's building a cabinet and say a piece of wood is too short or a piece of wood is warped because we're on an island, you have moisture, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they use a lot of mahogany wood, but, you know, sometimes you get like wood from the state. So sometimes you get, you know, secondhand wood. But if it's if it doesn't work out, you don't sit there and just like, well, I can't finish the job. Reinvent the cabinet. You know, you may make a door or something different, but just knowing that and learning and understanding whenever uh, you start something, you have to finish it because, you know, you don't really have time to waste because your time is very important. So thinking about what you did wrong or thinking about something that you feel that didn't work out wastes your time and you won't have enough time to finish. So that's, yeah. that's kind of the importation I take from it no i like that a lot it, it reminds me of a um of a of a zen buddhist practice titled the art of immediacy yes and it's this idea of just doing things like intuitively like something happens you just take a detour and you do something else and it yeah. and it's it's not about you know sitting there and being like oh what do i do now it's just you know a spill yeah. happens and then you sort of follow it and, and see where it takes you. That's exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that a lot. So, so, and, and it definitely comes across in, in a lot of the work that I've seen, that I've seen, um, that I've seen on your website and in other places. And, and then now going into the, your, your second, um, bullet that you have on your website, which you called, which, which you say Wabi Sabi, which I absolutely, um, I, I just love that philosophy. Tell us a little bit, maybe for someone that is listening that, that has no idea, what is Wabi Sabi? So it's like the impermanence of like uh, the same thing we we're talking about. Like, you no, know, it's uh, allowing things to age, allowing things to be as it is. So that's the simplest way I can say it. it if someone really would want to understand Wabi Sabi, I'd say the research is really important is uh, a very important part for me because uh, Wabi Sabi lends a hand in showing you things in nature, things in life, uh, like your personal life, like, you know, aging. Like me, uh, I started going gray when I was super young and bothered me. But learning about like, you know, things that are, finally going into a, a direction that you have no control is 
beautiful. And it's the beauty within those things that you can see that you don't think is beautiful. So I try to not like go too deep into it because I can get a little extra nerdy, but I try to make it really simple. Um, but it's just a practice. It's a very important practice. It's a Japanese um, way of um, thinking in life. Uh, the two words are separated and are different, um, but they just they just lend a factor together to make things as um, uh, what you would not really take time to pay attention to in mm -hmm. daily life. Yeah, and and I also I think wabi sabi, in my opinion, it goes. It's it seems so counterintuitive to how we define value, at least in the West. Yes, um, and it's interesting to to because I'm sure you've seen this, but there's definitely I, I think there there's a, there's a there's an appreciation for things that are aged and things yeah. that look worn and sometimes to the point like that fascination goes to the point where it becomes like this faux wabi-sabi where and i think there's a there's a very there's a <laughs> distinction between like authentic wabi-sabi which is like a rusty bridge yes and a bridge that's brand new that was made to look rusty <laughs> no i completely understand um so like i'll go to textiles because my mom was a person that uh, created with textiles um she did upholstery she put dress maker um and when she found a fabric that had a hole in it or she was looking for fabric and it may have been like something nice like silk silk is very very um hard to come by even you know because the process alone too but if the silk had a hole in it she wouldn't complain or go to the, the person like yo hey your silk has holes in it in other words and, and instead she would like buy it tell them that there were maybe my mom is a haggler so she would always ask for a deal and uh she was like well, maybe you can give me a deal on that um because it has a hole in it and um, I would see my mom take that and take it home and sew a flower design around the hole. So it, the beauty of what the textile had, maybe an accident or maybe like maybe bugs or a little insect got to it, but still using what that piece had to endure and creating something beautiful around it. So to be in that kind of stuff, it was normal. You know, I was telling a friend the other day, uh, baseball is big on the islands. It's like really big. But sometimes you lose your glove. Sometimes you lose a ball. Um, we have this, I don't know if you, you may know about this, but we have these things we call cardboard gloves. Just get a piece of card, put a hole in it. You put this, the string or the tape around it and you use it to catch. And when I explained this to them, they were like, there's no way that's a real thing. I was like, it may not be a real thing, but I grew up, we did we did that, or I made that for my my siblings so that they could play base baseball, or I'll make a I'll make a baseball um for them out of like tape and different things. But we use all the things around us that we 
saw that no one would want it was discarded so it, it then become pretty or beautiful because we made something out of it so that's my introduction to the wabi-sabi lifestyle but it's just understanding that certain things look better when it's older certain certain things have a little bit more um beautification when you um patch something over and over and over again and you have a story behind the patching yeah know, like yeah so. it's like the uh like the uh i believe it's pronounced uh kintsugi yeah yes uh, like you 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 break your teacup and rather yeah. than discarding it you you yeah. embellish it with gold and you use the gold yeah. to emphasize its flaws and in it yeah, yeah and it adds beauty to it so i i ha i have a sweater of mine that i've been meaning to like it's so old like it literally has big holes on the elbows <laughs> um and i've been wanting to like repair it to like just like the sweater is gray and i'm like it'd be so cool if like rather than patching like you know stitching with gray thread if i did like the complete opposite it was like hot pink or like you know like a contrasting color and i guess how do you i want i'm, I'm very curious about your thoughts in regards to the computer <laughs> and 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 artificial intelligence <laughs> Man, I don't know about that one. Uh, I'm kind of bad about that one. Um, AI and um, the computer, me uh, with creativity, within creativity. Uh, so I'm getting ready to actually get a new iPad so I can start putting doing artwork on it. I've never done it. Um, I've never actually used a computer to create anything digitally. Um, I once like created a little character, um, little looks like those little box characters that people. I don't even know what it was, but anyway, I was my first time ever trying. I didn't think it was really something I would like because I like pen to paper. I like touching paper, I like tearing paper. I like you know using something that my hands can actually touch but that being said it's the same way your hand your hand is touching a computer so <laughs> but me personally i don't know i don't have anything to say about that i think i think people who can do it because i've seen some people's work and I, like i'm blown away as like how is it that they're able to to do that but i guess you know people can say the same thing about someone who's drawing or painting on a canvas so i know <laughs> i know experience <laughs> well that was that was a very nice answer <laughs> i have no idea <laughs> yeah no it's, it's it's interesting because i like i i was listening to an interview with an with an artist that makes electronic music and they were saying that electronic music is no different than making music with like a like a guitar or like a drums or anything. Cause essentially their argument is that electricity is nature and that a computer is nature um, because it's made by humans. And also, yeah, like, yeah. And, and I, and, and it's a, and it was by an artist that I like really, really respect. And, and I was just like, all right, like I could see that, you know, like a synthesizer, like a drum machine, is it any different than, you know, playing the physical drums or, 
I don't know. So, so I'm trying to find ways to embrace AI and all that stuff. But Dang. okay, so maybe I could say this at at the end. This is just an addition. So it depends on the generation. Um, I I personally think that the generation now have the opportunity to use the things that are available to them and the computer, which is like, you know, the AI, et cetera. So to them, that's what they know. So, you know, I just learned that some kids don't even know how to tell time on a clock, like a physical clock. I was, I was kind of befuddled by this because uh, I was like, well, how, how would you not know? But if you don't, if you don't know, you don't know, period. If you've never, you've never experienced it. Same like what I was saying. I didn't experience the um, AI or computer art or just creative during that. But for them, I think that is valid now. Now that you mentioned that, that the computer, electricity is, et cetera, is the computer is man-made. I, I understand it. I get what that, what the creative, the artist is saying. So it can be um, validated by that. But for me, I can't say that because I've seen the other side as well. In comparing now, I can have an idea and I can have uh, my opinion. But if it, if it sounds the same to them as how it sounds like old music, because when the first recording was on, um, that old recorder with the big phone, whatever that thing is called, like the mega melio, what is it called? The gram gramophone, I think. Yeah, and the music was sped up. And life it the person speaking um compared to what the sound came out of that it was it was sped up it was like a little more intense so that was a change and then it slowed down and it became just like black and white tv black and white tv and then it turned into color so for them it's the same thing at least in my in within my reasoning of thinking i would give them that as well yeah and it's also just interesting how 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 much the whatever existing current medium how how that shapes or informs how we view reality so like to your point about if you if all you know is black and white tv or music that sounds like this or or whatever it is that you're working with like it sort of dictates maybe the possibilities that or in your mind, I don't know, because it's, I don't know, it's just interesting to think about how, like, what's the relationship between what's possible and what are the things that make those things possible? No, no, I feel you on that. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. <laughs> but, but I, but I, but I will say that, from my experience working in, working with your hands, like with analog media there is something about the process of actually physically interacting with your subject that yeah. i think a computer perhaps accomplishes it like in a, in a totally different way like you can't like even like wabi sabi like wabi sabi requires time yeah to go by and i don't know if time is something that the computer could mimic could things age on the computer computer ages within the moment you touch it is already what, what is 
So, I mean, no. And yes, um, with value, yes, it's aged. Like, you know, if you still have an iPhone, what, 10? That's considered. <laughs> so, within retrospect, it just, I guess you have to just have more of an understanding of like the tech side of it. And I am techie. And if anybody's a techie out there, I hope you don't attack me. <laughs> I have no big um, understanding of like how it would age. No, I don't think, I don't think so. But somebody could probably correct us within its age, <laughs> aging. It could be um, simultaneously to something else we don't have an understanding to. So The only thing I could think of is like, for instance, looking at, a photograph that you took with let's say like an iphone 3 yeah and looking at it on an iphone 14 and that photo has now aged because our perception of quality has shifted so in graphic design i see a lot of filters that graphic designers will use to apply to their work to their digital work that then makes that digital work look like it was let's say printed and then scanned and and it, and it and it it's just this like filter that makes things look aged you know it's just interesting to think about like i'm my brain is going in so many different directions right now that makes sense because within retro well within understanding the word sabi is where it's like old rustic um you know, like patina, patchy, holy, etc. But then um, you have the other side, which is wabi. So it could have the connection to the digital because it's closer to like something new, something tasteful. Uh, we we can we can make it work somewhere in there, but. I'm just, I, I mean, that's another, that's what I was like, I don't know. That's this, this, this could be a terrible rabbit hole. <laughs> I will do more research and I will get back to you on that. I will, I will actually try to figure this out. One thing I love research, research things. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Maybe there'll be like a part two. <laughs> yeah. Do the part two. Come up with that part, the, the digital side. So so let's go into um, green that you describe as aim to create and live in a way that is good for the environment and health. What does that mean to you? It's so simple as, as like almost kind of like sounds silly to even answer it. But for me, going green is kind of like the hardest thing that us as humans right now can do. Yeah, everyone is doing part. Everyone can do their part. Um, but then, you know, there are certain things that kind of like kick back at it. Um, but when it comes to art, I, I get like kind of nervous talking, saying about like how art is, but we're uh, one of the most, uh, we contribute terribly to the environment. Um, our waste is at a level where some some people wouldn't even really want to think about um, oil and acrylic. Uh, acrylic is a plastic form based of um, paint. Uh, oil 
you have to use a certain chemical to break it down to soften it. And for the most part, a lot of that waste goes down drain. And we dump it in a sink, we clean it out with water, we, you know, um, we discard our plastics or whatever we use, um, supplies, paintbrushes. Uh, we don't really hold on to those things. We discard them and they have a lot of toxins on them or in them. And we don't really think about it because art is like beautiful. It beautifies. You get a pass when, you know, you maybe dumping linseed oil down the sink <laughs> or you know you open a tube of paint and it smells rotten and you just like squeeze it out into like a cup dilute it and then you dump it or flush it or whatever um we don't we don't think about like i i haven't i haven't perfected this yet but i'm still working on it uh is reusing my watercolor paper or my watercolor um pigment water um, that's been used. I'm trying to use osmosis to try to let the water clean, let the pigment settle and, um, have the clean water go through the plastic bag. It's still difficult. I'm still learning it. So again, don't, don't put me too deep into it on that one, but for the most part, going green is like essentially just trying to take out, um, a lot of these little mini factors. Cause I heard I've always heard that um, some things are toxic, so don't put the paintbrush in your mouth. You know, how many times have you heard from an artist they were thinking while drawing and accidentally put the paintbrush in their mouth and they have to go get their mouth flushed? Or get a drop of paint in your face or your eye and you have to go get your eyes flushed, et cetera. Uh, so it's like that old thing say, whatever you use, you should be able, you should be able to eat it still. <laughs> I don't know if you hear that. Kind of like a they say, uh, we can't eat our art supplies, man. So just think about what we're putting on, on these papers, these canvas, etc. But that's a whole other story. And I could get some artists mad at me and some other environmentalists and get really vexed. But to me, I feel like going green is just using a lot of um, the same things that I have around me. So if uh, I have a friend that has a sketch pad that he he's going to discard, hey, I'll take it. And I'll use it. I'll use every piece of paper. I'll even use the cardboard on the back of the um, the, the 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 sketch pad that's holding all the paper. I'll use the 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 paper on the front. I'll use every piece of it. Nothing's getting thrown away. And that's my way of looking at it as going green. Um, using uh different solutions. Uh, you know. If there's paper that's biodegradable, if there is um, paint brushes that can be rebristled or you know get new brushes put back on there, um, finding out what um, what's more organic than um, what's man-made, like you know plastics, using um, instead of using um, like a a poly sketch, a poly um, like paint. Uh, holder or little things you put your paint in um you can get some made out of china or pottery or something um you can you know you you can use the same things over and over again like if you have an old toothbrush and this is my favorite we throw away a lot of toothbrush and um 
I don't throw away the toothbrush. I, I cut it, shape it, and then I use it to do splatter for paint. Um, so I put a little bit of paint on there, water and paint, and I splat it, and I get the little effect that I need. Um, like markers, old markers still have life. You can add, you can take out all the stuff out of it, and you can use the little filter tip to create something too, or even smash it down and make it like, you know, a part of the piece where you have texture. Uh, I mean, there's so so much like things to do. Um, like it was a point where I was walking around with a coffee cup, paper coffee cup, and the lid. Uh, like, like for instance, the coffee lid. Uh, you should keep that. Because it's a Costa. And a lot of people don't realize it's a Costa because when you turn it to it's, it's um, the same way you put it on the top and you, you can put your cup on the middle in it and it's a big circle for the, the bottom of your cup. And I use those to um, hold my watercolor paints. And I put it in there. I've been walking around with a, a metal can that I used to store my watercolor for like maybe 30 years and I painted out of it when I traveled and I still have it. Uh, you know, like things like that, you know, using glass more instead of plastic. Um, if you do use that stuff, learn where you can discard it. And um, uh, that's the part on green. I mean, there's a lot more to say, but we can run off talking about that. Yeah, no, I like that. And it also, I think it, it allows for your work to be sustainable in the sense that it lets you maybe maybe the proper word is it gives you permission to 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 keep creating because you you're you have an like it's it's almost like an abundance mindset of where like you look at everything out everything around you is a, is a yeah it's something that you could collaborate with like it could be that you you pick up a stick on the on on the side of the sidewalk and you exactly i've i have a bunch of sticks in in my little jars that i use to drag like ink on the the can or the canvas or whatever so yes that's exactly right and then you have you have the opportunity of learning like what fruits and vegetables can leave a stain and die and you know like tea bags or you know not that i don't really use a lot of tea bags but um but like tea has its own way of staining. Matcha has a great stain. It's a, it's not the pink it is, you know, because it's green. Um, it's stone milled. It gets stayed the same color, but sometimes it comes out brown. Uh, you know, you can use uh, black tea. You can use uh, hojicha tea as one of oolong tea is a really good one to stain with. Um, and you know, coffee is brilliant, but it's so acidic. A lot of stuff is acidic, so. By using this, it will erode, and that's why I always say, well, you know, these things that I'm using, it may it may change the product, it may change the piece, the artwork, but then again, that's the whole suit of finding wabi sabi. It's supposed to age and beautify and change, and you have a new story every day. Uh, but you know, it's just learning and keep going and keep trying new things. And I I was reading something about you and 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 I discovered that you, you you mentioned working with tea right now, but you you like emphasize 
working with T on your website and I want to learn more about what's your relationship with tea. Um, I know you drink matcha uh, based on what I've seen on your social media. <laughs> so yeah, tell me a little bit. about I, I love tea. I, I'm like a real, like I drink tea religiously. So I, I love speaking with other people that also. Enjoying some right now. Um, okay. So I think in the Caribbean, uh, it's a lot of cultures, but a lot of people, colonialism of it was uh, tea, was big um, export, import, um, and sugar as well, because, you know, people needed a cube of sugar to go with the tea. Um, so sugar cane, cotton, etc. But it was a main lifestyle growing up. That's all I knew. You wake up in the morning, you have a hot cup of tea. By the afternoon, you get another hot cup of tea. So it was like, traditionally, it was like, uh, most islands are all like that. So for us, um, you started out drinking simple tea. My mom, uh, she's she's from Trinidad as well. And they drink a lot of um, green teas and um, chai. But it's like cardamom tea and different things like that. And um, black tea as well. But growing up, that's the only thing I knew. So um, I was introduced to matcha tea in a different way because matcha is considered green tea in the islands. And um, it was more for like when you weren't feeling well. So if you weren't feeling well, like say, you know, I don't know, like your kid, you're not feeling too well. Um, they give you matcha, but matcha to a little kid has a lot of caffeine. So kind of gives you the good properties. It gives you the good, you know, whatever, but it'll boost you and you'll, you'll get up, you'll, you'll be moving again soon. So it was kind of like, that's kind of like how I look at matcha. And um, when I came to the States, I still drink it. I still drink it, but I've never, um, it's going to sound weird to some of the matcha drinkers, but I didn't know you could add milk to matcha until five years ago. Like, literally. Because whenever I drink it, I drink it. Because, um, of course, you know, you get you can get the milled, uh, stone milled powder and it, tea leaves, right? Uh, you can get, well, there are different versions too. Um, but the matcha powder is the best. Um, so when I got, when I started getting matcha powder, I never added milk or added, I don't really drink milk, um, like milk substitutes because really we didn't really get a lot of milk growing up. So for me, it was like, this is kind of weird. And I tried a matcha. I was like, why does it taste? It tastes good, but it didn't taste perfect. So for me, I started adding sugar to it and I realized you don't have to add sugar to matcha when it's plain. So I still I still get a matcha latte and I still I of course I indulge it. I love it. It tastes good. Um it's kind of like something I, I always enjoy. But the new way of drinking is just introduced to me just like five years, five, six years ago. So what's your favorite what's your favorite tea to drink? Man, I like hojicha. Uh, you can add different um flavors to it too. Um I like hojicha tea a lot. Um 
if you add milk to it, it tastes like Cheerios. <laughs> so that one is that one is it's like slightly roasted, right? And then like the opposite is kukicha, and that's um that's the one I like. Yeah, kukicha is amazing as well. Um, it has flavor. It doesn't, you know, because sometimes when you drink matcha, it could ha- it could have a bitter taste if it's not the right, <laughs> right. But like hojicha and kukicha is a, it has the same flavor. It has, it has the same taste. Uh, I mean, again, this could be a conversation that I could go into and have all the matcha heads get vexed with me. But um, some I like mixing mine. Uh, culturally, uh, mix matcha and chai. I grew up drinking a lot of chai, so chai is my my favorite go-to. Um, but I I've never had chai with uh, like real milk. So like. Growing up, my mom was like this wild. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say wild. She she used to be wilding though. Um, but she would make uh oat water. So we would we eat a lot of oats. Oats and like the ting in the morning. And then of course like a fried Johnny cake, and then you'll put a little bit of uh like some goat cheese in there, whatever, and um some fried plantains. That's breakfast. And you get oat. So when the oat was, if you didn't finish your oat, my mom would take the oat and press it and put it in like this little thing and you'll get oat water. And then she would, um, it'll be our little milk, especially hurricane season. Like, at least in my house. <laughs> I mean, some people could argue with me about this one, but my mother used to press the oat down and the water at the bottom would be something she would flavor tea with. Um, sometimes she'll put into like the dough to make Johnny cake um, or fried bread or fried dumpling. Uh, and so, you know, that's how I kind of enjoy my tea is with a little bit, a little dash of oat milk. We'll have to talk more tea, uh, outside of this podcast. Cause I, like I said, a big fan. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about your, your actual, like your work and some of the, some of the subject matter that you focus on your, I found, I found your 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 piece titled "Floating Taxis in Hyperspace and Your Pluto While Eating Vegan Hot Dogs" to be um to be fascinating. So, so is do you do you consider your work to be autobiographical, or where does where does the work come from? So that's that's awesome that you you said that. So every character or every person, it's someone I know, or it's. I'm related to so all the names um like the people's names they're actual people i grew up with or they're like a part of the family um so yes it is autobiographical so this particular piece um is so taxi drivers in the caribbean are you know they're some of the wealthiest people um, because they can do tours and they can get tourists because because of tourism, um, which is one of the main um, way of income for the island, like just straight up. It's like everything is sourced around the ships coming to the docks. Um, we have like sub bases, a different place in the Virgin Islands. And then you have the regular, you know, Shaltamali um, area that the ships come in. Sometimes the ship can't come in because it's too, um, 
tide was too low so they'd stay out in the deeper side and then they'd send the little ferries in when you see those ships that means if you're working in any of these industries that means you were making money so the taxi driver to me was one of the most important um, character to actually develop so when they asked me for the project um i wanted to collate the same thing um here in chicago taxi drivers are probably having the same kind of issue that happened in the caribbean losing it to like uber lyft etc even self self-driving cars and um for me i i didn't add the person's name in this one but it's just more about the action so this the title is just describing what he is experiencing he's waiting all the way out at pluto and he's enjoying well <clears throat> because I, I try to eat plant-based as best as possible um the vegan hot dog is my throw in to catch people like, uh, what is a vegan Chicago hot dog? This is impossible. Uh, so, but it collates to Chicago and Chicago has its like, you know, thing about the uh, Chicago hot dog. And uh, I wanted to add that, but yes, he's a character that I know here that drives a taxi. One of the first people I met. So, yeah, I, I, lo I love the title. And and Portillas has really nice uh, vegan hot dogs. After after I put up the piece, everyone told me I was like, yeah, I've never been there. And one of my friends, he was so vexed with me to find out that I've been living in Chicago for so long and I never went to uh, Portillos. <laughs> I was like, I didn't see any reason to go to it, but all right. <laughs> yeah, they used to do like um, their vegan hot dogs. At, at, well, recently they introduced where now there's like a vegan, like the vegan meat in it. So it's like a garden dog. But before then, instead of the meat, it was a pickle. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I could do that. Yeah. But now it's like, now you got like the, the I think it's, I think it's like a field roast, like okay. vegan sausage or something. But it's, it's really, really good. So is there anything that you're currently working on or anything like what's going on lately? Anything you want to mention? Um, I know you you're very involved in art shows throughout Chicago, and anything you want to shout out? Uh, I mean, shout out to all my favorite artists in Chicago because there's a lot of a lot of artists who I'm I'm very 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 influenced by and proud to even like see their work in person at times. But I am working on a, a project right now. There's two projects. Um, where I'm using some um, larger format pieces and larger format paper. And they're actually like, the paper is in bad condition. So I am actually going to do a complete show wabi-sabi. It won't frames, it won't be, uh, I, won't, I won't use the frames, I won't use your um, traditional way of putting the show up. So, I'm working through that right now. I have uh, one or two more pieces to finish. Um, I think it might be, it'll be a large number of pieces, uh, anywhere close to like almost 40 pieces. So I'm working on that. That will be um, coming up pretty soon. Um, and if we do a part two, I can I can say when, because I'm still working through it. I might be maybe um, in, doing the installation in the next few weeks. Okay. Well, that's exciting. I, I, yeah, certainly let us know when 
when you get more details. So, so if anyone wants to get in touch with you or if anyone wants to find you, what's the best way for someone to, to get in touch? Um, personally, I kind of keep a very low key and very uh, uh, low level in everything. But um, if you are looking for work or looking for art or trying to, um, I mean, just communication is one of the, the lowest parts. Sometimes I'm working very much so. Uh, I can admit it. Uh, a lot of my friends will tell you it's like, yeah, you, you probably won't. You probably won't you probably won't see him I, i'm very low-key but um my website has my email on the bottom of it uh which is website and it's a little different compared to like the other one i had uh recently but uh you can contact me there or um you can contact me on i guess instagram i don't really like pick up the instagram thing a lot if 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 it has to be like uh accepted i probably i'm sorry out there who have like tried to text me or email me not text me um uh, dm me and i didn't respond is because i don't know that i have to accept some of them and i don't see them really because <laughs> i don't really go direct messages so but you can do a direct message just um shoot me an email that will, will help me best <laughs> okay <laughs> Sounds good. I respect that. <laughs> um, and so before we before we end here, uh, what are you listening to currently? What are any anything interesting or music, movies? Man, I, I love love music. Music is like the the fuel. Music and tea uh, is the fuel to like. <laughs> my creativity to be very very honest so when it comes to what am i listening to um that's kind of hard to answer because i like the new music um but i'm one of those people i just always go back to the same old tunes uh, uh, of course i love um miles davis as everyone does because everyone has learned more about um jazz through miles davis um, but I like Bill Evans. I like um, Duke Ellington. Uh, jazz is one of my bigger influence, but lo-fi is my new go-to, my new, well, not new. I've been listening to it for a little bit, but I call it as, you know, compared to jazz, it's newer. Uh, I love lo-fi music uh, or lo-fi. I don't know if that's the correct term. Uh but right now I am, let me see, what's the name of the song? Uh, I have to find it. It's, it's like, it's kind of like, like what you were talking about, like the electronical music that make, there's a few songs that is just all electric, like all computer based. And that, that has really been like giving me some good things. Uh, I listen to Bob Marley, uh, jazz, um, Brazilian jazz because uh, my dad played it all the time and Cuban um, jazz as my dad played that all the time. Uh, so and my family there, my dad's, um, my dad's family, they're all from uh, either Santo Domingo or Cuba, or those kind of places. So the music that we listened to, it was Ipso, Meringue, and um, a big influence on Latino music. Do you have a favorite a favorite movie? 
movie, current or old? Just in general, like what's your go-to? Man, um, Empire Strikes Back. Okay. Or um, Back to the Future. Oh, nice. I, I, I just, I, I, I watched Back to the Future for the first time maybe like two years ago. What? And, yeah. And I, and then I watched all of them because I can't believe I lived so long without watching any of them. And yeah, yeah they're great. <laughs> any, any for me is anything with Denzel, uh, <laughs> the Washington, and um. Uh, what's his name? The guy that played Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, Johnny, Johnny Depp. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Johnny Depp style is very wabi sabi. Yes, fashion sense. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to style, him and uh, Lenny Kravitz are probably my favorite. Yeah, very, very similar. Awesome. Well, this was great. Thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, I I enjoyed learning more about you. And I look forward to, um, yeah, to continuing to connect. I certainly want to keep in touch and hopefully once you get more details about your upcoming, upcoming art show or just any show that you're doing, let us know. And we're more than happy to to promote it through the club. 